message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Nice to be back with you. I haven't been away, actually. I don't know why I said that. Okay, uh, I'm going to read from a... Old Testament this morning, something I don't normally do actually, but I felt very led by God on this passage, and I felt very led by God that it applied very much to my life. So I'm hoping there'll be at least one other person here today that feels slightly moved by what I'm going to say. But I've been moved anyway, so if nobody else does, well, I've had a nice time. Thank you very much. So I'm reading from Jonah. So if you'd like to turn to page 862 in your Bibles, if you've got the same Bible as I have, that will be. I'm looking at the whole of this story, which is over four chapters, but I'm just going to read chapter one. And it's a story, I guess, that you will be very familiar with if you've been brought up in Sunday school or some sort of kids' club. Uh, I'm sure that you know, your mum and dad at some stage will have read you the story of Jonah and the great fish. Uh, and so I just want to look at chapter one to start with, and I'm going to pick out some things in chapters two, three, and four. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your gods. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord, because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault and that this great storm has come up upon us, upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us responsible accountable for killing an innocent man for you. O Lord, uh, for you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So, as I've said, I guess that's quite a familiar passage to most people here in the room. If you haven't heard of Jonah and the great fish before, where have you been, would be my question. 
So let's have a little bit of the background to this, because it's only, a, a, I guess it's a, a part of the Bible that only has four chapters to it. We don't know an awful lot about Jonah before he arrives on the scene. He's first mentioned in 2 Kings. And we know from, the chapter, from verse 1 here, he's the son of Amittai. And apart from that, we don't know much about him. And he's not really referred to very much again in the Bible. He appears once more in Matthew, but that's about it. And he's widely felt to be a minor prophet, and it's widely felt that he actually wrote the book of Jonah. But we know more about the city of Nineveh at this stage, because it's been mentioned quite a few times in the Bible before we get to this particular part here. It was known as the Great City. It was the largest city in the world at that time. And it was the capital of Assyria. It was some eight miles in circumference and had a population of about 120,000. And it was built by Nimrod, son of Noah, and it's first referred to in Genesis 10. There we are. That's the history out of the way. But Nahum, in a couple of chapters afterwards, gives us a great insight into what the city was all about. And this was the city, remember, that God had asked Jonah to go and preach to. And this is what it says in Nahum chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Woe to the city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder, never without victims. The crack of whips, the clatter of wheels, galloping horses and jolting chariots, charging cavalry, flashing swords and glittering spears, many casualties, piles of dead bodies, bodies without number, people stumbling all over the corpses, all because of the wanton lust of a harlot alluring the mistress of sorceries who enslaved nations by her witchcraft. I am against you, declares the Lord Almighty. So some city, some city that Jonah was asked to go and preach to. And I wonder how you and I would have responded to that. So if you wanted a title for today, I've entitled this Jonah, he did a runner. And subtitle, he ran, but could he hide? And I want to ask you this morning, and this is what God, I felt, was asking me. Have you ever felt like running away from something or someone in your life? Sometimes the pressure in life becomes all too much. And it was interesting how Matt was bringing that example of what's happened to him this week. And Graham brought that verse in Romans, all about pressure in life and how we can't separate us from the love of God. And that's what we need to remember as we go through our Christian walk. But sometimes pressure becomes intolerable, doesn't it? Sometimes the easy way out, it seems at the time, is to run away from that situation in your life. And I want to just unpick the way that Jonah went through this particular uh, walk with God. Perhaps you have faced or are facing what seems like an unsolvable problem at this moment. Maybe it's a tragedy or a death. And that has made you question God's plan for your life. You may be saying to me, but John, you haven't got a clue what it's like in my house. When I close the door in my house, you wouldn't believe what goes on behind my front door. Um, you might be the man of the house, the head of the house here, and maybe your marriage is just not what you thought it could have been or should have been, and you read all the books and you listen to all the people, but actually, in, in actual outworking of it, your marriage is maybe a bit shaky. Or maybe you're saying to me, well, actually, you don't understand the way that I react with my kids. I've totally lost it. I've blown it. I'm not bringing up my kids according to the way that God shows me in the Bible. And I think I just need some help. And I'd, I'd rather run away from that than face the facts that I've blown it. Or maybe you're sitting here today saying, well, I'm single. I don't like to be single. I want to be married. And it's so difficult being a single person. And the easy thing for me to do today would be to actually go away from the church and find a non-Christian boy or girl and move in with them. That's the easy way. And that's not God's way for us. 
Or maybe you're sitting here today, maybe just struggling with things in the church. And again, the easy thing would be to, to leave and find an easy way out. And I think sometimes it would be very easy for me to run away in my responsibilities in life. And I look at what I do in the home, in my business life, and in the church. And there's been times where I thought, this is too much for me. I can't really put all these thing, three things together and make any sense out of it. And it would be very easy to pick up the phone and say to Graham, Graham, thanks very much. I've enjoyed being an elder in the church, but the pressure's too much for me now, and I want to step down. And I sometimes think, actually, is that the coward's way out? And it probably is. And God's really challenged me this week over this whole issue. So you can run from home. You can get yourself a non-Christian husband or boyfriend. You can leave the church. But we all have responsibilities to ourselves and to others. But sometimes do we take the, what seems to be the easy option out. And this illustration maybe uh, gives you an understanding of where I'm coming from. For this job, the personnel manager said, we are looking for a responsible person. That's for me, said the applicant. Everywhere I have ever worked, whenever anything went wrong, they always said I was responsible. <laughs> That's not the sort of responsibility we're talking about today, is it? But it sort of highlights the fact of the other side of the coin. If we run and turn our backs on God when, when the going gets tough, we deny him the opportunity of acting on our behalf and we grieve the Holy Spirit by doing so. Running away does not help us very often. The problems we face are not very often as a result of our surroundings, but rather they come from within us. It's akin to going round the same mountain time and time again. We will always come back to the same spots until we deal with a problem that's within ourselves. Have you ever felt like that sometimes? Well, that always comes back. I try and push it to one side, that problem area in my life. But actually, a few weeks later, it's back there again and I have to deal with it. And sometimes God says, actually, stop running away from the problem and deal with it today. In the passage we've read, Jonah's prophet, sorry, in the passage we've read, Jonah, God's prophet, tried to make a getaway because he wanted his own way and not God's way. As a result, he suffered for it. But at the same time, God's measureless grace was displayed as well. So let's think a little bit about the background here. Jonah was given a task to proclaim God's message to the Ninevites. God said, go, and Jonah said, no. And he headed not towards Nineveh, some 500 miles east of Jerusalem, but to Tarshish, some 2,000 miles away in what is now, now what we call Spain. So we have to ask ourselves the question from this passage, why did Jonah disobey? Well, firstly, if it was you or I, I would have been very afraid of the task given to me. Going to go and preach in that city was a horrific task to be given, it seemed. Nineveh was the capital of the Syrian Empire, and that was the great enemy of Israel. I wonder, have you ever been afraid of what God's called you to? Maybe you've got a calling on your life, and you think, well, actually, that's much too big for me. And maybe what God's saying to you today, we need to break it down into bite-sized chunks, and actually, one step, a bit like Matt was saying, one step at the ladder at the time. This city of Nineveh was infamous for being brutal and merciless, and that's what we've already read out of Naaman. And lots of the commentators would liken the Assyrian Empire at that time to the Nazis in the Second World War. It was that brutal and oppressive. And I'm sure Jonah would have asked, what will happen to me, a Jew, walking into a volatile city, proclaiming such a provocative message? He may also have thought, and I'm sure I would have done the same thing, that these people belong to a godless nation, 
Why should they benefit from God's message? It is the Jews who are the chosen people. I wonder if you and I ever judge those who, uh, as God has brought across our paths. Do you judge people that don't quite fit the mould that you think they should do? Remember, God looks at the heart and we very often look at the outward appearance. It's very easy to judge people in this world. But he also had enough knowledge of God to understand that the God is so gracious and that maybe, just maybe, he wanted to spare the Assyrians. But he ran. Surely he knew that God was everywhere. Psalm 139, 7-9, a very famous verse says here, Where can I go from your spirits? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So Jonah ran away from God in the sense that he excluded himself from God's service and God's favour. Now, if as Christians we disobey God and refuse his will, we will put ourselves outside of God's presence and the blessings of his obedience. Don't go there. It's a hard and miserable place. Seek first the joy of obedience. So we know Jonah went to Joppa and he boarded the ship. Everything seemed to be falling into place for him anyway, but it didn't change the fact that he disobeyed God and that meant that he would eventually run back into trouble. It's a bit like uh, where we had that um, open day in, in Derby some time ago. I can't remember what it was. Graham, you all in, what was it when we had the, all the people come up to Derby who had Benrose school grounds? Let's go. We had Let's Go in Derby. And uh, I was thinking about this bungee thing the other day and uh, I got given the postman Pat outfit and I got put in this, uh, had this bungee rope attached to my back and you had to run down this sort of plastic blown up thing as far as you could before the bungee rat snapped you back to the beginning again. And I thought it's a bit like that sometimes with God, isn't it? You get on this rope and you're trying to run away, but actually God will always bring you back to the starting place again until you deal with that particular thing. God's way of blessing for Jonah was in the east towards Nineveh. But Jonah went west and into trouble. And as we've said, it's one of the great Sunday school stories, Jonah and the great fish. And we learn a lot about Jonah from this passage, but what about the fish? The fish, it seems to me, is easily upstaged by Jonah. So let's think about the fish. It's important to think about the fish. He's part, he's part of the Bible. Okay, so let me give you this illustration here. In 1829, a sailor called Bob Bradley, well, actually, his parents christened him Bill, but he, apparently he was the most shipwrecked sailor in the world, so they named him Bob, okay? He was... What? It what? He was swallowed by a great fish, okay? The fish was caught about three days later, so the story goes, okay? The fish was caught about three days later, and when Bob was asked if he was okay, he said, quote, I had the whale of a time. <laughs> oh, I'm doing my best here. Right, okay. Hang on, the story doesn't finish there because it gets much more dramatic than that. Later on that same day, two whales were caught by fishermen, okay? Two whales were caught, and the, and the fishermen argued over these two whales uh, onto which was the heaviest. And the argument still lingers to this day because they didn't have any railway stations in those days. Oh, <laughs> Right, okay, I'm moving on, right. Right, let's move on to the text. It's probably a bit safer there anyway. Okay, we see God's abundant grace. There's certain messages that come out for me very strongly in Jonah 1. And I just want to pick out certain things here. And I just believe it's an opportunity for the character of God to shine through this. I was really challenged by some of the things I found in Jonah. It's a very simple story, but within that, there's amazing things about the character of God's 
of, of God, basically. So in verse 16, we see uh, God's abundant grace, both to Jonah and the sailors who actually worshipped other gods. Now, the sailors at that time actually worshipped at least three other gods. So they had no understanding of the sovereign Lord at all until this particular thing came into their lives. So there's, a, there's a, an amazing thing about God's grace in this thing. Uh, the second thing we want to look at in verses 4 and 15 is God's sovereignty over the elements. He made the storm start, he calmed the storm, the storm got worse, he calmed the storm. It's all about his sovereignty over the earth. In verse 15, we see a little bit about God's discipline. And when we won't hear his voice, there are times when he will make us feel his rod of correction. And that's not always very pleasant, is it, to be, you know, to have the correction of God upon your life. But sometimes that's exactly what we need to move on in a new a more positive way. In verse 13, we see a little bit about Jonah's disobedience, and ultimately our disobedience can affect others around us. Um, And it's very easy, isn't it, sometimes if you are maybe gossiping in the church, maybe, um, I don't know, doing things outside the church which is not honouring to God, and you happen to take other people within the church on that journey with you, those people can stumble as well as yourself. So, don't cause others, others to stumble in, in your faith, in their faith on that. In chapter 2, verse 1, we see here, um, it's where basically Jonah comes back and he says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. We are trophies of the grace of God, and our confession that we belong to God will always be in our hearts. In verse 16, again, we see another key thing in the gospel here. Repentance is often the key to God breaking through a situation. And 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says this, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So I wonder today, are you a proud person? Too proud to sometimes admit that you failed, blown it? Maybe too proud to admit you're running away from something? God will bring you back to that place time and time again until you deal with it. In verse 16, we also see that salvation is just a prayer away, and it was for the sailors. In that twinkling of an eye in that boat, in that raging storm, those sailors recognised that their gods meant nothing and that the sovereign God was indeed the one to be worshipped. And I wonder again today, is there somebody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their saviour? And maybe God's speaking to you today. Salvation is just a prayer away. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. In verse 16 also we see mercy is always to be found. It is new every morning. Think about this. It was through his disobedience that Jonah came into contact with the sailors, yet God so worked in that that they were saved through Jonah's testimony. Jonah was running away as far as he could to the west to escape God's given duty in the east. Now God had, as far as the east is from the west, removed the sailors' transgressions and sins. What a saviour. R.T. Kendall says this when talking of God's grace, that when God makes things work together for good, he does it in such a way that it looks as though it was meant to be that way from the start. So as we move through the rest of this story, let's have a quick resume of chapters 2 and 3. In chapter 2, we see Jonah's inside the whale, and he's got time to actually think, where am I, what am I doing here, and actually time to reflect on what's happened before. 
and he gets himself right with God. And God almost has a captive audience and there are times in our Christian walk where it's very important that we get aside from the busyness of life and we are just us and God communicating, remembering what God wants to say to us. It's really important those times um, that we find those times and I would suggest being inside a whale is not the best place in the world but actually those times where we're actually solitary, us and God are very important. And then in chapter 3, God again speaks to Jonah now that he has his attention and Jonah goes to Nineveh and he preaches. And in chapter 3, verse 5, it seems this vast city of 120,000 people seems to turn to God. We don't know that for a fact, but scriptures would indicate that that's what happens there. This vast city seemed to turn towards God. In chapter 4, verse 5, Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter and he sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen in the city. Jonah withdrew to a solitary place, and there's a whole message tied up in that, and I'd love to spend time sort of bringing that out, and that's really important at some stage that we think about that. But it's all about this solitary place. It's all about withdrawing from the pressures of life and just saying, God, what are you saying to me at this time in my life? And the whole story ends at the end of chapter 4 with with Jonah still very angry with God, but he has completed his commission. So we start off with a man that's called has a very large calling on his life, presents it, almost pushes against God, goes the other way, then comes back, listens to God, gets right with God again, goes and completes the commission. But at the end of it, we still see he's an angry man, but God has actually acted through that as well. So I love these sort of people in the Bible because I can associate with them. I get angry sometimes, I run away sometimes. It seems like, oh, I'm so pleased these people are in here. They're not, you know, all all-encompassing, all-perfect people at all. They've got warts like you and I have got. And, you know, when you see something like that, you think, actually, yeah, I can associate with that. So how about you this morning? Are you angry with God over something? Did you expect something, but maybe God hasn't delivered it yet? Are you running from God? You know, typically we run in our spirit long before we physically reject God. So do you have a Nineveh? Do you have a place where God is sending you, but you're not prepared or willing to go? Is there something God has for you, and you are refusing it? Maybe you have a Tarshish in your life, a place that is the exact opposite to where God wants you to go. Eventually you know you're going to be found out by God. Running is useless. Pretending that everything is okay is pointless. Remember that God accepts us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. You see, the Lord who calmed the troubled waters in your life is the same Lord who can stir them up to a frenzy. So when we persist in our disobedience, he gets tougher. It begins gently, but in the end, he sends a tempest. But there is a blessing in this. For it is wonderful to know that God pursues us even though we are stubborn, and rebellious at times. And Jonah is a classic example of this. God always gives us second chances. Remember, it was Jesus that left the 99 and went after the one. And I love how Max Licardo puts this. He says here, if there are a thousand steps between you and God, God will take 999 of them and leave the last one to you. You can only be on the run for so long Maybe, to ta- maybe today it's time for you to get to your Nineveh.
I just want to wait on God for a second. I've got some words that I feel that have come out of this passage for me, but I just um, conclude it there, and I just want to wait on God for a second if I could. So how do I summarise this this morning? I believe God wants to arrest the attention of, of some people that are running in this church today. And I might not have mentioned the particular thing you're running for, but I really feel that God wants to stop the runner today, basically. And also I feel God wants to say this. He got the attention of one angry and rebellious man and one obedient man and woman can change a nation. We've seen it very strongly in this whole story of Jonah. One obedient man or woman can change a nation. And I believe there's somebody here this morning who has just got the stirrings of going to a nation. There's two other things I felt this morning. I feel God will say to somebody here, you have got nothing to prove. And I think it's a leader in some capacity here today. It may be in the church, it may be in the workplace. But I feel God will say to somebody here today, you have got nothing to prove to prove. I'd love to pray for that person afterwards if that's you. And the other thing that came out for me when I was reading this passage in, in chapter 2 verse 8 here, there's a verse, that verse says that there, there, there are those who cling to worthless idols and they forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And here again today I believe God put two things in my heart. There is a man here um, who often is away from work and I can associate this absolutely totally, stay in hotels, and in the hotel bedrooms, uh, there's very often an opportunity of watching adult films on the television. And you, you think, actually, well, I'm in the quietness of my own hotel room. No one will know what I'm doing. And actually, if I do use that film, I can put it down as room service and things like that these days. You can get away with doing that. And I feel God wants to arrest your attention this morning and, and deal with that in your life. And what I do now, because that's a huge temptation for me, I spend a lot of time away from home. When I'm in a hotel room, I get the Bible out of the drawer and I stand it on top of the television now because I know in myself that's a temptation to me as well. So I just want to help somebody here today that's in that situation. And the other one is as well, God just drew this to me as well. I feel there's somebody here that's got into the wrong type of music. Now, I think it's a rock music situation and I'm not saying all rock music is from the, from the enemy, but this particular rock music you're into is really taking you away from God. So I want to pray for that person as well. So there's certain things here, but in the main, I want to just... I'd love to pray for people that feel they're running from responsibility this morning. And just in the quietness, I'm just going to just be a little bit quiet here for a second because I just want the Holy Spirit to minister to people's hearts. And you know if you're running, and I know how easy it is, and you know what the pressures in your life are like. I don't know the situations you're all going through, but you know sometimes the pressure is absolutely intolerable, and you think, where do I go to get away from this? I could run out of my marriage. I could run out of my, looking after my kids. I could run out of the church. I could run away as being a single person and you know, set up house with somebody else. I could run, run, run. But actually, is that the coward's approach? Is that God's best for you this morning? And I don't think it is. And I'd love to pray for anybody that feels brave enough to stand up and fit themselves into any of those categories. And I, and I think as we go through church life, there are times when actually God actually does put up his hands and say, enough is enough. And we have to respond one way or the other. Other than we say, actually, that doesn't apply to me this morning. Thanks very much for the word, but 
I'm okay in that area. Or actually, no, I know that Holy Spirit's touching my heart. Even as you're saying that, John, I know that is for me this morning. I need to respond to that. I need to get up out of my chair. I need not to be too proud. And I need to have the grace to get up to the front here and get good people alongside to pray and to get alongside you and to love you and to give you the word of God over your life again and to dust you down and to put you back on your feet and to send you back out into the mission field as God has called you. And that's really important that you hear what God's saying to you this morning. It's not me, it's not John Batten saying that. It's God speaking into your heart this morning. And it's a tough message to hear for some people, but I do feel it's important that you respond in some way this morning. So Matt, I wonder if you can just come back up, please. We're going to sing, um, I said to Matt, I'm, I'm hopeless at directing anything to do with music, something reflective, uh, I don't know what that means. Matt will probably come out with some humdinging, jumping up and down song. I think we just need to, just to be, um, just quiet before God really, because I just want God to convict, to continue to convict people. And then I'm not going to have a long drawn out session here of just wanting people to come out. I just want, if that spoken to you in any one way, please, um, as we reach the end of what Matt's going to play, just please come up the front and we're going to get some people to pray for you. Bless you. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.